Hey y'all, I'm Sammy, your host of the You Were Made For More podcast. John 10.10 is a promise that Jesus came down to earth so that we would have life and have it abundantly. My prayer is that this podcast and all of the content that we put out would remind every student that they were made for more simply because of who they were created to be. My own walk with the Lord and my relationships with the teenagers that I disciple have shown me that once we understand whose we are, the game changes. Or in other words, transformation happens. Our identity changes everything. We recognize that it takes investment and partnership between the church and parents to raise teens who know and believe who they are in Jesus. And we're here to help. So buckle up as we take this journey and take a look at what God has to say about friendships, relationships, sexuality, dating, and all the things in between. Hey guys, and welcome to the You Are Made For More podcast. This is your host, Sammy, and I just want to welcome you if you've never been here before, and if you regularly listen to our podcast, I want you to know that this is going to be a solo episode with me, um, just chatting about something that has been on my heart and I feel like is so relevant to our culture today. Um, And it's going to kind of target parents, but also family. So if you are a part of a family, which is everyone, it doesn't have to be a biological family. It can be an adoptive family, a spiritual family, a church family. This conversation is for you. And it's really all about creating a biblical family culture. If you read the You Are Made For More blog, you will have seen that this month we featured a special on intergenerational ministry and what that can look like between generations. And this blog is going to kind of go off of that, focusing more on families and what we're doing within our homes and with the people that we do life with on a daily basis. But it also applies to that conversation about intergenerational ministry. So that's just something to keep in mind. If you have not checked out that blog, I will link it in the show notes for you guys to read as you kind of process the things that we are talking about today. So I just want to preface this episode that I am by no means a parenting expert. But the reason I'm having this conversation about family culture is because my husband and I do pray and seek wisdom from our godly mentors and seek wisdom from God and scripture about how to be intentional with how we're running our home. So that's kind of where my heart is on this issue and this is something that I want you to hear whether you are a student or a parent is that creating a family culture can and should be biblical joyful and fulfilling so again let me hit on those three words biblical joyful and fulfilling if you've never heard the term family culture 
that's what today's episode is all about. Um, but basically the goal is to get you critically thinking about what is flowing out of your home and what you're allowing into your home. What is it that you are reflecting when other people look at the way that your life is portrayed? Is it what you want it to look like? Does it reflect the gospel? You may have read things like this from different Christian authors or even some popular Instagram personalities that you follow. One of my favorites is Jefferson Bethke, and he, while he doesn't necessarily use this term family culture all the time, he has been talking about similar ideas for years, and he's some someone I always look to for new and refreshing encouragement. This is an idea that will serve families well if you take it to heart and seek what God wants you to learn from it. So that is our goal. You can start these things when your children are newborn infants or when you're in the trenches of raising high-energy toddlers or kiddos or when you're navigating what it looks like to parent teenagers. It is never too late to change the culture of your home if you feel like it isn't producing those fruits of the spirit that you desire. So that's just something I want to encourage you with as we start today's episode. If you are kind of tuning out right away because you think that this is too far past you or that you can't change the way that your family culture is run, that just simply isn't true. Um, there is always room for the spirit to change what is flowing in and out of your home by you being intentional about that. So I want this to encourage you, not the opposite. I don't want this to discourage you from making those changes. It can be done. And I'll just give you an example. Something that is very simple that my husband and I do and you're gonna kind of be hearing from my husband a little more he's gonna be hosting and co-hosting some episodes of the podcast in the future we're working on kind of making this a more collaborative idea um but something we do in our home with our daughter even though she is around 18 months old is that we pray with her at meals but also we have um, a prayer printed above her changing table in her room and it's called the creed of the beloved and it basically is just very simple words a very simple idea of what we want the gospel to be to her right about how we don't want her to have to worry and hurry in today's world and think about what other people think about her and her fault her failures and her shortcomings um but we want her to trust Jesus and be able to share his love with the world and that's something that we have implemented from a very young age Something we're also very intentional about seeking wisdom on is how we discipline her and the things that we really hammer down on. 
when she's at such a young age because those things are going to overflow into how she grows and is discipled. So even at this age of 18 months old where yes, she has big feelings and yes, we need to be aware of them. We also need to be disciplining in a way that is going to carry over into the rest of her childhood, into her adolescence, into things and ideas that she can understand about how God disciplines us as his children and how we are his vessels and parenting her and how that that earthly parent relationship is echoed in, or no, not even echoed in the way that we are God's vessels and really our responsibility is to teach her how to love, obey, and respect him. And we always want that to be the at the forefront of how we discipline and have conversations. So those are simple things that we're doing in our home. Um, Constantly trying to set our children up for the highest level of success has left many families feeling a bit weathered and worn. Even our family meals, as traditional as they are, have been reduced to throwing something in the microwave and spending less than five minutes together at the dining room table. And if we even do sit down together, most of the times our phones are the prevalent item that we're paying attention to. And this scrambled approach to life is working to our culture's detriment rather than its benefit. And I mentioned Jefferson Bethke before and how he's been having these conversations about family culture. And in his latest book, it's called Take Back Your Family. And I will link that as well in the show notes. It's a great book where he has conducted extensive research on this matter and what causes the problems that families are facing today. And he relies on principles of the Bible to do this. But the book does not leave you without hope because he lays out a clear path that will hopefully aid families to return what God intended them to be. So I really want you guys to check out that resource. Before we dive in to talking about creating a family culture, let's kind of define it, right? So when we think about family, I want you just in your mind for a moment to think about what is the job of a family. So something may have came to your head right away, but when I think of a family and when we look at the definition of a family, the job is to be a team, Right, And that really, I'm convinced from all of this research that I've read and other people that I've seen having successful family cultures, we need to get back to this idea of living like a team. We have to stop living like a collection of individuals. When you think of what teams you're aware of. You probably right away think of sports teams and business teams that function to do some sort of productive activity and market it to the outside world. 
this is a metaphor, right? This idea of a team is a metaphor, but every team has a uniform. Every team plays a champ. Every team goes for a championship, and every team has a mission. Every team has coaches. Every team has traditions. Every team has culture. And when you start thinking about it like that, then it starts clicking into place, that's what our families need right now. Businesses and sports teams are really good examples because they have a shared mission. But the minute we subverted our actual families based on consumption instead of mission, it becomes detrimental. We can't understand the concepts of what it looks like for a family to be a team because we just think it's about filling ourselves up and doing what we want to do. We can't even understand the concept because we're really focused on the selfishness of what we can gain from our families. A lot of the values that are in a family is just a place for them to feel really safe and secure. Right, No businesses or sports teams ever say that that's their value system. Those are values in the sense of their byproducts. If it's a healthy, flourishing team, then yes, you're going to feel safe and secure. You'll feel secure and you'll have your needs met. But no one actually says that that's why those two entities exist. But that's why everyone says families exist because we're subverted into this idea that is all about consuming and self-actualization within ourselves. That's the big difference is that we need to be reminded that families are about mission and loving each other, not consumption. Now, if you're still with me, let's talk about culture. Every family has a culture. Culture, according to Craig Groeschel, who is a pastor, says the culture is what you intentionally create or what you allow. Most families have an allowed family culture. It's hectic, crazy, overwhelming, media-centric, cluttered, And frankly, not that enjoyable. It's why dads hide in their phones and video games when they get home from work and moms feel burdened with decision fatigue and all the things that they need to handle in one day. It's why we default to the television to babysit our kids and why we say things like, I could never homeschool, or I'm not patient, or I can't wait for summer to be over and for my kids to go back to school. Family culture can be beautiful or it can be ugly, but it's only beautiful when we can create it with intention, and that is why we're having this conversation. Now, I'm not saying this to say that Even if your family is beautiful, there are still going to be hard days and hard moments in those days. But the beautiful culture that is surrounding you and already laid out should be able to overshadow those hard moments. The hard moments should not overshadow loving your family. 
And I think that's the distinct difference we need to make is that parenting and loving others and being in a family is difficult. But that should not be the primary mark of our family is that it's difficult. A biblical family culture will be the combination of two things. Your individual family personality, right? So think of things like interests, priorities, ethnic culture, location, biblical ethic. If you're a Christian family, you will unite around the latter. But you can be definitely diverse from other Christian families that you meet. Based on your traditions and things like that. You'll see some Christian families who play soccer, volunteer at the food pantry, have a weekly movie night, hang out with extended family all the time. It just depends. And then you'll see some Christian families who attend public school, are in theater, and love to hike. Their culture is a combination of intentional discipleship and their individual passion. So, That's important to note is that just because we're Christians and we're talking about this idea of biblical family culture doesn't mean that we're all going to look the same. So we've talked about these ideas of culture and family. And now we're getting into this idea of Christianity. And if we are Christians and we're trying to follow Jesus, what does it look like to create a biblical family culture? And more importantly, how do we do that? How do we go about creating it? So to further flesh out this idea, I'll define it this way. A biblical family culture is when the customs, social engagements, and achievements of a family are centered in Christian ethical beliefs and priorities. How you do holidays, sports, school books, and media will be filtered through that scriptural truth. The parents might bring their own interests and habits to the family, but they are willing to check their assumptions, beliefs, and habits against the word. And this is the key. They are teachable and willing to change. And I really think that this is the bot, the not the bottom line, the key point, the key distinguisher of biblical family culture versus just family culture, right? If we're willing to be taught by the Bible, by God, by scripture, we have to be willing to flex and change as we are convicted by the word and the spirit. If that means certain media is no longer available um, in our home because it doesn't align with what our priorities are as a family, we remove it from the rotation. If we sense that our family is stretched too thin with commitments, we cut back and we learn how to Sabbath. If we can tell that we haven't prioritized discipling our kids in the word. We cut back on whatever is taking priority over scripture to educate our kids in what matters. Biblical family culture isn't legalistic or rigid. It flexes and changes with the seasons and ages of our kids, but it always keeps Christ first. 
That is the difference. That is the key point. So for those of you who are listening, and maybe you're single or you're not a parent yet, creating a biblical family culture applies to you too. The principles of the liturgical calendar, of a communal prayer, sharing life together, breaking bread, and studying scripture can all be implemented whether you have children or you don't. If you're married, creating these rhythms now will be a fantastic model for either one, when you have children of your own, biological, adoptive, or foster, or really even discipling the next generation and mentoring them. Two, when you practice hospitality and parents see you practicing these ideas. Or three, when you open your home to the community and show them what life in Christ looks like. In singles, the same goes for you. If you have a Christian roommate, you could plan out these things together. And if your roommate isn't a believer, you can still practice these things personally and invite others to join in. For you, this could look like defining your spiritual and personal priorities. How do you want to make Christ the center of your home life? It can look like creating rhythms of liturgical celebration, looking to the church calendar and considering how you can celebrate these things. Or creating a consistent routine for yourself, making Bible study and spiritual disciplines a priority in your own life so that that is already solidified when you have or if you have a family. Family culture or even a youth group culture, a church culture, cannot be good. I shouldn't say that because God can make anything good, but chances are it will not be good by accident. Like I said earlier, an accidental culture is rarely the kind we want because we're human and so often our flesh and our selfish desires and our just our desire to consume things take precedent. It takes work, focus, and intention to create the kind of home life we want for our kids. And it takes even more work and intention to disciple our kids and the truth of the scripture. So I want to give you a few practical things that others who are much wiser than me have recommended to me. Or that I have found to be helpful in my own journey with God and creating a biblical family culture. If you're married, sit down and talk to your spouse about your family priorities. If you're a single parent, this is largely up to you. But you could consider any other major figures in your kids' lives, like their grandparents, aunts and uncles, or anyone who is invested in them. If you're married, it's important to be on the same page as much as possible with your spouse. And when I say that, this doesn't mean he agrees to everything or she agrees to everything I want to do. It should be a conversation. It should be a conversation where each party feels like they can share their thoughts 
and be open about what they desire the culture to look like. It takes both of you. If you're struggling to get on the same page about how to parent your kids and what you want the culture of your family to look like, marriage counseling can be a great resource to kind of address underlying issues and causes to that tension that you're experiencing. And I say that from experience, that marriage counseling is very helpful to working through some of the just the challenges that you come across. Um, This is something that my husband and I did before we were even married, when we were thinking about our family culture. We have a letter board up in our bedroom of these four ideas that we want our family to radiate, and we pray through them and look at them every morning, and most days we fall short But we're striving to do all of those things because we know that those things reflect Christ, right? And they're simple. There's four of them. The first one is servant leadership. The second one is humility. The third one is love. And the fourth is authenticity. And we believe if we do that, if we put those things at the forefront of who we are and how we run our home, the Christ and the gospel will be reflected in those things and that is our heart of hearts and what we want to be reflected. The second thing is that you have to be clear on your family priorities. Think about what you want your kids to say about your family when they're 25. What do you hope for their faith in the time They are in your home and in your care. If you continue doing what you're doing now, how much would your kids know about your faith when they graduate high school? How much would they know about Christ in general? Answer these honestly and deal with the results. Make a list of your priorities, both spiritual and personal. That might mean discipleship at one meal a day or it can be something like play a game as a family weekly it doesn't all have to be serious it can be fun and connecting and basically just being sure to put your family at the floor the third thing is to just create a space where your kids can contribute they are part of your family and your culture too Once they're old enough, they can contribute ideas for traditions, games, commitment, social engagement, and outreach that you would not have thought about. Give them a voice in your family and in what you prioritize. Next, make it easy to disciple. And what I mean by this is make it as convenient as possible for you to teach the word amongst All the other things you need to complete throughout the day. You can have a playlist of songs queued up for the witching hour with a newborn and in the car. Have the resources you're using to teach scripture memory, Bible Bible accounts, and theology terms at the place you're most likely to use them. So if you spend a lot of time at the dining room table, keep a bin in the middle 
of your table with all those things. If it's in the living room, keep a bin right next to the bin of books that your toddler pulls out every day and put scripture memory verses in there. You can have a flip book of memory verses in the car and recite them together while you drive. This is going to look different for everyone, but the idea is to be creative and make it convenient because you'll be more likely to practice this discipleship if you are reminded when you see it. This next one is an important one. It's being okay with saying, I don't know. Because inevitably, your kids will ask questions as you're discipling them that you don't know the answer to. And when that happens, we have to be okay with saying, I don't know, but I'll find out, I'll seek wisdom, and I'll get back to you. And then actually take the time and do the research and follow up with their request As you use their questions as opportunities for personal growth, you'll also find your faith growing alongside theirs in your discipleship journey. And lastly, but really this should be the first one, make time for prayer. This is something that my husband and I are always working on and striving to be better at. We pray at meals and at bedtime. And sometimes our little girl will just come up and like want to hold your hands and she'll close her eyes and kind of sing signal that like she wants to pray and we stop whatever we're doing and we pray with her even if it's in the middle of a room full of people, right? But something I personally have been trying to be better at is when someone, a friend or whoever is asking me to pray for them and sharing with me what's been on their heart and they might ask like, hey, when you think of me, can you just pray for me? Instead of saying, oh yeah, I'll definitely be praying for you. I actually ask them if it's okay right then and there if I can pray for them. Because this is a way that shows I'm being intentional about coming before the Lord with their requests and loving them in that way. But prayer is so much more than that too. Like I really want my little girl Ophelia to grow up knowing that prayer is a way to deal with our emotions especially our anger and our hurt and it's a way that we're able to reconcile with others to ask forgiveness to to understand how we even begin to forgive someone else right prayer is the main way that we do that and it shows our kids that we're able and willing and that it's okay to have these continual conversations with the Lord and I think we all can do better at that like my husband and I you know we we convene reconvene at certain points and we always say like oh we could be better at doing that together we could be better at doing that in our community we could be better at doing that with each other it's something that we're always working on but it's something that we know to be important 
So I I am going to wrap up this episode and there's so much more I can say and I'm sure you'll find people as you have conversations about both intergenerational ministry and also biblical family culture who have a really great ideas that you can implement in your own family. But for now, my hope and prayer is that this conversation excites you to be intentional with the culture you create and encourages you to really think about what you say yes to in your home and go and follow through with those things in an effort to allow your children and anyone who walks into your home to know more about Jesus and his love because of the way you live. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time.